for me, more than anything, it's been networking. I've been very solitary in many points of my life. I alluded to being a bioscientist for many years, and there's a lot of time at the bench all by yourself. But I realized over the years that although I can be very successful in a technical role, that I love reaching out to people. And I found that in this business where you have very complex transactions and where in many cases, if you're syndicating, for example, outside capital is key to your business model, that networking is just amazing. We know that building wealth comes from owning businesses and making investments. Yet why still do nearly half of businesses fail in the first five years? And why do others lose it all in their investments? Welcome to the Wealth Watchers podcast, your resource for building a massive net worth. We bring real stories from real people who are experts in business and investing, who will share secrets and actionable strategies to amassing wealth and achieving success. Brought to you by Happy Camper Capital. And now, your hosts, Justin Hoggett and Adam Lendy. Welcome back to the Wealth Watchers Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy. With me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Hoggett. Justin, what's going on? Hey, Adam, not too much today. Uh, having a great week. And uh, of course, just uh, looking forward to the weekend. Uh, we got a lot coming up and um, looking forward to our closing here in just a minute. Oh, a man. By the yeah. time this thing releases, we'll have another one. Yeah. So yeah, excited for that. We're on the home stretch. Uh, we'll obviously be sharing more about that on the Happy Camper Capital website. So um, without further ado, let's uh, not talk about the weather today. And mm -hmm. let's bring on our guest. Our guest is a principal with Horizon Multifamily, George Roberts. George, how are you doing? Fabulous, Adam. Thank you for having me on the show. Great to meet you, Justin. Yeah, you as well, George. Thanks for coming on. Okay. George, uh, what part of the country you come to us from? So I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in and I'm still in Michigan, a little bit north of Detroit. All right, right on. Well, obviously, you know, you're in, you're in a space that is near and dear to us, which is real estate. And of course, we, we love chatting real estate with people, and we'll certainly get into that here shortly. But before we hear what you have to say, we'd love to know a little bit more about who you are. So could you please indulge us and give us a little bit of your background and, you know, I guess, what uh, what brings you to what you're doing today and why does you do what you do? Sure. I guess we could take a couple steps back. Right out of college, I went into bioscience, did a couple of postdocs there. It was a lot of fun, really exciting, not a whole lot of freedom. Uh, I looked forward to getting into the business world, and to do that, I actually got a computer science degree, and that was wonderful. Uh, that got me into fintech, got me really interested in finance, and really told me that business is the place to be. But it wasn't until I founded my first business that I had any idea of what I feel is my true calling. So I had been a landlord going 10 years back, but it was when I founded a construction company with my sister and brother-in-law about six years ago now. And I got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. And after that, uh, there was no looking back. So I started to look for other businesses I could launch. And I came into value add multifamily, very open to other forms of commercial real estate as well. So it's great to be uh, with a couple of happy campers here because I know there's, uh, there's a lot of other great things, but uh, multifamily is my entree into the business. That's where I'm at now. Got it. And what, what kind of construction company did you start? So residential construction, we're north of Detroit, and it's a fabulous suburb called Troy, Michigan, one of the best school districts in the entire state of Michigan. And we're building some nice, I would say, sort of semi-luxury. We don't have you know, the columns inside, uh, 
and some of the things you might have in, in your true luxury homes. But these are pretty amazing and currently going in the high 600s. Got it. And then are you doing uh, infill, like ground up, you know, building or is this uh, remodeling, renovation? What, what are you, what's your focus on that? No, not infill. We are building a subdivision. Oh, wow. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. And, and so that, that got, you, got you started. What are you doing now? So I started out in value-add multifamily, which I think is a great place to start. There's a lot of opportunity there. You can put in some sweats and you can certainly see your wealth grow quickly in multifamily. Uh, however, uh, there are some downfalls to it. One of them would be obviously interest rates. If you've got to take a bridge loan right now, who knows where you're going to be in two years. So it might be time to sort of put the brakes on that. And I've been happy to, and I would say lucky to be involved in some other projects, including a light reposition and a B-class property. So I see myself moving a little bit up the value chain there, uh, largely again, because of the interest rates, but also that's really where all of the rent increases have been concentrated over the last few years. And that may be um, shapes of things to come. A lot of people, they can't handle the home payments. And the first thing I want to do, they will give you a nice apartment, right? They don't want to go into junk. And so a lot of those former uh, tenants that you'd find in a single family home or former single family homeowners, I think they're going to go into the A and B class. Yeah, got it. Um, so you, you mentioned a, a good point, and it's one that's been a hot topic for us and the folks that you know we surround ourselves with interest rates. I mean, you know, we it can't be avoided. They're going to, they're going up, and they're likely going to be high for you know well over a year is what I'm hearing. And I, you know, obviously we don't know what that's going to look like in the future. So um, yeah, I know you're kind of shifting some of your focus a little bit. What are you doing to hedge interest rates or to, to deal with that? Uh, well, I want to get the most permanent debt possible. I've had a few times where I've been lucky enough to get seller financing, and you just want to make sure that goes out far enough uh, to cover your plans. In the past five years, it sounded like an eternity. I really wouldn't mind if the next one could possibly, if possible, go out a little further. Uh, when I'm looking at agency financing, I'm thinking to, to pay for the longest fixed period possible, which currently I, I noticed around 12 to 15 years there is a bit of a cutoff. So you get up to 12 or 15 years, it doesn't cost too much to add on. You go beyond that and it gets kind of expensive. So one of the things I want to do is make sure that we're getting out to that 12 or 15 years with fixed rate. If, if I think I'm going to hold on to it. And again, depends. You know, If it's a joint venture, you can do that. If it's a syndication, you may have to hold on longer than you want, but you know, 12 to 15 may be a little bit on the long end. Yeah. And are you syndicating your deals? Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, that is the current plan, but I've had great fun with my joint venture. And I sort of alluded to the fact that you can keep it longer if it is a joint venture. And I think there's huge advantages to that, uh, namely that you don't have to churn. And if you've got the numbers and they're working for you, I think it's really good to be able to have that option, especially because we don't know what's going to happen next. And if we can continue to get the rents, for example, uh, but maybe you don't have a lot of willing buyers it may be uh, very advantageous to hold. Yeah, understood. So I guess what, what has helped you scale? What, what, what's helped you get to the point you're at now? So for me, more than anything, it's been networking. I've been very solitary in many points of my life. I alluded to being a bioscientist for many years, and there's a lot of time at the bench all by yourself. 
But I realized over the years that although I can be very successful in a technical role, that I love reaching out to people. And I found that in this business where you have very complex transactions and where in many cases, if you're syndicating, for example, outside capital is key to your business model, that networking is just amazing. And uh, for me, I would consider that to be my superpower. What tools have you been using for that? So uh, the main tool I would say is reaching out in person, ideally. Ideally, I think it's still an in-person world and the more people you can meet locally, the better. I have my own in-person meetup, which I love. And I love to go to other people's meetups, even if it's not commercial real estate uh, associated, because you're going to find a lot of people who might be burned out landlords. They may be your next LP, or you might find people that have been doing the single family for a while and they can see the, the value to the economies of scale. They may be getting frustrated. So I like to go out as widely as possible with uh, any sort of networking event that I can do in person, including uh, a summit, for example. And what's your meetup called? So uh, currently I'm running MFI in Detroit. So in, in the future, who knows, maybe I'll go independent. We actually started out independent, but I do appreciate the support we're getting uh, from Dan Hanford and team. Uh, he does a great job. He gives you some information each week. So you don't even really have to, month I should say, uh, you don't really have to think it or overthink it too much. Just uh, watch his training video and invite the people. And it's it's pretty much like a plug and play thing. So as far as in-person, that's what I've been doing. But uh, if you want to talk about networking online, I can tell you a whole lot about that as well. Yeah. yeah we had the pleasure of meeting Dan at a Best Ever conference. So you're a good guy with, uh, with a, lot of, a lot of knowledge. So definitely somebody you want to align yourself with. Um, you know, you, of course, you mentioned, you know, coming from, you know, bioscience, you know, where you're more solitary and getting into networking. Was this, you know, I, I guess, what was the discomfort level like? You know, did this push you out of your comfort zone getting into, you know, I guess, putting yourself people forward? Right. So I think the number one thing is just how bad you want it. That's true of anything. If you really want the end results, I think that the comfort level or the discomfort level goes way down. So for me, I just saw it as the natural next step. I looked at my team and we looked at who was ready to raise capital, who wanted to raise capital, and who was actually free of a W-2 job, which is a major uh, impediment if you want to go out there and have a major online presence. And it looked like it was going to be me. So I did it. I launched the podcast. I launched a weekly Zoom call and immediately just went out on as many channels as possible. I'm even on TikTok. I make YouTube explainer videos. I decided that I was going to go out as many ways as possible and try to reach as many people as possible. No, that's great. Um, you know, I, we had a gentleman on our team who basically the same idea. You know, he he came from a corporate world and you know really wanted to put himself out there and has done so. And and what he's found is you know the consistency is key. Just the regular daily activities. Do you, what, what does your success plan look like for you? So number one is have a VA. For me, I found that I was working all the time, all my evenings and weekends uh, when I had a W-2 job were making content, putting it up. So the first thing was, well, let's get a VA for a couple hours. Let's her do the posting. Uh, then from there, I realized things were going well. I thought, well, why don't I release two podcasts a week? So then we went to four, six, and eight hours really quickly. But I found it to be one of the very best investments that I've made. So I would say get help. Because if you're trying to do it all yourself, you're really going to set yourself up for failure. What do you delegate to your VA? Well, it's an ever-growing list. 
So first thing, uh, as I mentioned, was the social media and the posting. Uh, from there, we did some data entry. Um, and I've also had her making the graphics. So for my podcast, I know there's people that'll do it for you, but all nice and slick for 200 bucks a podcast. But again, I already had this situation. I, I want to do it yourself, okay? So I came from the do-it-yourself thing. I thought, I am not going to pay somebody $200 a podcast. I am not going to do that. And so then uh, we just started to build a solution. And I realized, look, if I make it easy to make the graphics, then boom, uh, I'll have her do that. Uh, the only thing that I haven't outsourced for the podcast is inviting the guests so far. But again, uh, more and more is really going on our plate. And lately, a lot of it has been just data analysis. I'm having to go through all of the areas that I'm interested in. There's a lot of places that I like to invest, like East Tennessee. That's pretty broad, right? You say like from Knoxville East, that's a lot of territory. I'm also interested between Orlando and Tampa. And again, you got a, a wide ranging geography there. So she's able to just sort of tear through that doing a lot of neighborhood research for me. Yeah, sounds like a very valuable asset. Yeah, you got to find the right one. If you find the right one, uh, hold on. Yeah. Now, I guess this is maybe my own uh, limiting belief on this is I, I have this concern that you're going to lose authenticity when you have someone else posting on your behalf. So what sort of training goes into that? Training someone to you know, talk like you do and put out, you know, I guess, relevant content that, it, you know, I guess it, it is authentic, you know, is competent. Right. So I haven't really completely released that. I do make the content myself. The one exception would be the clips. So I let her title the clips. Sometimes I'll come back and say, well, I would have titled it like this. But um, I really have been keeping a tight rein on that. Like, for example, every Friday, I like to put something out about stoicism. I feel like uh, if you're in a serious business like real estate or any sort of an entrepreneurship business, stoicism is really huge. So I put that all together and I just have her upload it. So maybe that's a nut that I haven't really cracked yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, kind of revisiting the networking aspect of things. Uh, what, uh, I guess, what's your goal when you go to these events and are you looking for deals? Are you looking for partners? And, you know, uh, do you find that certain networking events provide one better versus the other? Right. Well, no matter where I go, and it, sure, it matters a little bit on where you're headed, but if I go to a conference, I'm meeting both types of people. So they could be limited partners. They could be the person who feeds me the next deal. What I really try to do, though, is add value. Everybody I meet, I try and figure out now, how can I add value to this person? And I think that if you do that, then it's really easy to see the value flowing back. And, and I was going to ask next, uh, so what's the icebreaker? So maybe it's the provided value. And, and so what are you... What are you giving out? What am I giving out? Well, again, it, it, it depends. If somebody's new, like I invite them to my meetups. And I think that's a great way to meet other people. And you're going to find people that can help you put that next deal together. If they're looking at any of the geographies that I have, I let them know that I've got strong boots on the ground in those areas. I also have the ability to be a key principal. It's not something I've done yet. I've always been active in the deals uh, but if I found something where I believed in the team and I believe in the deal and they need a decent net worth, then I offer that. So again, it's really hard to say. I mean, I just listen to people's situation. I see what they're trying to accomplish. And I ask myself, well, where can I add value? Great. Yeah. Now, I, I want to play with the, the social and the networking side of things and just kind of get your, your feel on this, because I have my own feel on this, which is one of avoidance. 
I know some people have one that's, uh, you know, but, but you hear all the different tools and you go to the seminars, you go to conferences, you read the books and you hear, hey, you're supposed to have a podcast. Hey, you need to have a blog. Oh, guess what? You need to be active on LinkedIn and Twitter. And oh, guess what? You need a YouTube channel also. And you do all these things. You need to be consistent with all these things too. And I hear that and I go, you know, I don't want to do any of them. I just throw my hands up and I, I, I just, I stop. But there's some people who try to embrace all of them. What, what's, I guess, what's your answer to that? How did you build up the systems you have? Right. Well, first of all, in defense of not trying to do everything, I see a lot of people that are very successful. They go on other people's podcasts. And speaking in terms of time effectiveness, if I'm just looking for that next deal, for example, or looking for that next limited partner, maybe going on other people's podcasts is the way to go. Uh, definitely, I wouldn't say that you need to have everybody on your team out there making a podcast or writing an ebook or doing all those things. Now, as for me, I just decided that I was going to go for the brass ring. I did it. I did everything that I could do. Uh, I took the advice to focus on one thing. So for me, that was the podcast, but I did literally go all over. But what I came to realize is that I have all these people that are from time to time bringing me deals. And for a long time, when I was in a W-2 environment, I really couldn't go out and look. It was not possible for me to have the podcast and the weekly meetup and to go out and underwrite two deals a week and do a 40-hour week job. So I really needed that. But I came to find that I'm getting so much value from each of these venues. Like when I do a podcast, maybe I don't get a deal out of that. But you know what? I get to know somebody really, really well. So I got to the point where I feel like, well, I'm afraid to stop because if I stop doing any of these things that I worked so hard to build up, there, I have no way of knowing uh, what contacts and what deals are not going to flow my way in the future. Yeah. Do you have a system for measuring your ROI um, on these different channels uh, and tracking what comes from them? So for the moment, by memory, I mean, I can tell you that I've gotten a couple of LPs from doing my in-person meetup. They actually came in the first few months of running that meetup. So at first I'm thinking, wow, that's super huge ROI. I want to focus more on this. But, uh, but it's difficult. So it's hard because people don't always tell you how they, they met. And sometimes I press, but uh, it, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, on an hour per hour basis, it's sometimes hard to say whether these things are really working. But all in all, again, I do see a lot of people flowing into my network. I do see a lot of deals coming. And it's hard. Like even if people come to you with 10 deals that are basically ready to go, you know, nine of them are going to fall apart before the end. So again, it's, it's a numbers game and, you know, you even get one deal out of a venue. I would say it's probably worth it. Yeah. Now you said the podcast is the one you kind of went all in on and poured the most into. Um, what is the name of your podcast? For curiosity. So it's the foundry where leaders are forged daily. And if uh, I could just go into a moment, what that's about, we focus on entrepreneurship, leadership, and mindset and how that plays into success in the commercial real estate space. And I always think about late bloomers. I think that there's a lot of people like Henry Ford, who didn't really start to tinker until he was 37, didn't found Ford Motor Company until he was 40. And just look how much he accomplished. A lot of people don't realize that they do have that leadership spirit until they go out on their own. Somebody like Steve Jobs, who became an amazing leader, but only when he went out on his own. So I'd really like to encourage other people like that who may, like me, have been focused very heavily on, say, a tech role, for example, may not have seen themselves as a leader. Try it. Uh, you may find that once you start to execute on your own vision, that you grow in ways that you never imagined. Outstanding. 
Well, great. Um, so I, I guess what would be, if, if you were starting over again, knowing what you know now, um, you know, how would you jumpstart a network? If you had, if you lost your entire database today, how would you build your next one? Well, I would probably be a lot more focused rather than trying to do everything, including a weekly and a monthly meetup. Uh, do pick one, stick with it for a long time. I mean, I saw my podcast take off after about eight months and I thought, yay, I'm there, right? People say, do it for a year, but you go through ups and downs. And so stick with it, focus on one thing. That's what I would do. Got it. So it doesn't really matter what it is, just it's more the consistency. Absolutely. I mean, I notice people that are successful in this business and they only have a Facebook account. You can't find these people on LinkedIn. And so again, just find your channel, uh, own it, and make sure that people know that that's where they can reach you. Got it. Okay, perfect. And get a VA and, and delegate. <laughs> <laughs> that worked for me. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, well, obviously, you know, George, we appreciate you sharing. Um, if, if somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way to reach out to you? So if you want to talk about deals, you want to learn more about commercial real estate, come find me on LinkedIn. I'm George Roberts, the third PhD. If you're interested in partnering with me uh, as a limited partner, if you want to be passive, go out to www.horizonmultifamily.com. we got a quick questionnaire that'll help us get better acquainted. Okay, great. And we'll link up in the show notes. Now, before we let you go, I'm going to turn it over to Justin for the Wealth Watchers Brain Pick. All right, George, I got five quick questions for you. The first one is, what is your superpower or unique natural ability? So, yeah, I think we covered that. Definitely for me, it's networking, reaching out to people. That's what I love doing. Excellent. If you were to go back three to five years, what might you have done differently that you wish you could have done? So again, it's more focus, 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 focus. And I would have come to commercial real estate quicker. A lot of people say that it's an expert's game and it is. However, remember, you don't have to be an expert in every phase of the commercial real estate transaction. Just figure out your value proposition and build your team. Mm -hmm. And I guess real quick side topic to that. How big is your team? Oh, we had a big one. So Horizon Multifamily is five. We've got a pretty diverse group. Everybody came to the team with something different, including uh, construction background, Mark Prokop. Uh, we got somebody who has a huge amount of assets under management, Steve Tappy. And again, everybody came with something different. Different geography is huge too. We got uh, Tom Kirkpatrick in East Tennessee. That's a great place to be. Uh, not too built up yet. People moving to Tennessee, but East Tennessee is not Nashville yet. So Again, everybody on the team was just pretty amazing. It's a really amazing team. Good, good. Love to hear it. Um, where are you headed in the next three to five years? So I want to go into bigger deals. I want to go um, up into the A and the B class. And I definitely do want to diversify. Uh, one of the things that I dream of doing is an RV park. I see all the demographics going towards that. I think it's a lot of fun. You get some of the best of both worlds there. It's kind of like a mobile home park, only it's more like a hotel, right? Because it's a short-term rental. So I'm definitely looking far and wide and looking to expand in commercial real estate. Okay. Well, of course, we could help you a little bit there too. Love it. <laughs> uh, and what is your favorite book on business or money? Uh, wow. If it's business or money, I could say uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It really changed my life. I'm one of those people who was very introverted and I meet a lot of extroverts like that. Like my wife, that she was very inverted as well. Now she's the life of the party. So how to win friends and influence people. If you haven't read it yet, it'll change your entire life, uh, whether it's personal or business. Excellent. Definitely a good one. Uh, and last one, what has been your biggest aha moment? 
Uh, for me, it's just been learning how to manage money and finance. I feel that what I'm doing here is really just allocating capital. So what I might do on a day-to-day -day basis, it might be promoting an apartment, marketing, it might be finding new investors. But again, at the end of the day, it's all about allocating capital. So I take a very broad view. I'm always studying macroeconomics. I'm trying to understand what's going on in the world because again, even if you stay in your lane, so to speak, there are different types of deals in each type of commercial real estate. You wanna be very careful to make sure that you're allocating capital in the maximally effective way. Awesome. Well, thank you, George. Appreciate you coming on today and, and your uh, information you've shared with us. Thank you so much, Adam and Justin. Thank you. We appreciate having you on, George. So again, we'll link up your information in the show notes uh, and also give a mention to your podcast in there too. So thanks for coming on. This has been another episode of the Wealth Watchers podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy, and my co-host, Justin Hogg, and I. Thanks for stopping by. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This has been the Wealth Watchers podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Join us on Facebook, where our members and guests are actively engaging in discussions on wealth-growing strategies by searching for Wealth Watchers Community on Facebook.